This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. In this episode, I visit with Jed Gardner, Senior Vice President at Line Data Technology. We talk about moving from disaster recovery to business continuity, to business as usual in the age of coronavirus. It's a fascinating exploration of how you can move to be able to respond to literally any crisis which may engulf your company going forward. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and today I have with me Andy Goldstrom. Andy is the uh, founder and managing director at Midcourse Advisors. He and I uh, had the opportunity to visit for another podcast, and he really had some interesting thoughts around helping businesses move through uh, the current phase of coronavirus, but also into Q3, Q4, and 2021. And I asked him if he had some thoughts around how a compliance practitioner could take his process, his procedures, and also how all of that would impact corporate governance. So, frankly, I'm really looking forward to hearing his thoughts because he does not come to this from a compliance professional's perspective, but he's got some great ideas. So, Andy, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome back, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me again. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, it was It's great to be back on your show, and I uh, really enjoyed speaking with you last time. And, you know, it was great to talk to you about um, going a little bit deeper this time. Last time we spoke about um, coronavirus and how it's a, how it's changing businesses now uh, in general, and how leadership needs to change. But governance is a really big part of it, and I'm a big proponent of governance. And so, being able to talk about it uh, and and really um, show people how to how they need to adapt and change, especially in this area, is really important. So, Andy, if we could maybe start with an incredibly broad question is how should a board of directors, how should a senior manager, how should a chief compliance officer officer think about corporate government governance at this point in time? And what adaptations do they need to make that you might see going forward for the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah. So I'll hit the punchline and work my way backwards, I guess, given your question. But um, there are three areas, I think that are really important for gov- people in the governance area. Um, nor, you know, they have a very important function uh, to make sure that things are done consistently and ethically and well. Um, and, and, you know, but sometimes at the speed of, of business, that doesn't always work well. And so, especially today, so there are three things that I would highlight. One is working with those closest to the customer to understand the changing needs. The needs of some customers are changing just about daily, and people who are closest to the customer who are having to change the way that they deliver products and services to the customer are changing very rapidly. And if your compliance 
process and the way that you manage compliance doesn't align with that, those changing needs and understanding of those changing needs, that uh, becomes problematic. The second thing is uh, understanding the timeliness of the decisions required to meet those needs. So what that means is, you know, chances are if needs are changing faster, you're going to have to make decisions faster and it might not require as many touch points, frankly, to make that decision to move forward. Um, so you have to kind of understand how that timeliness may be condensed or prioritized or, or not and what the impact and risk is associated with it. And then, frankly, the third thing is adapt your processes accordingly. The way that we did business six months ago is not the way we can do business today. And so um, if you're going to be a partner to the business as opposed to a bottleneck to the business, partnering with them by doing those three things will make governance more effective in today's environment. So if I could translate that into compliance speak, uh, number one, working with frontline employees to understand the needs of the customers. In the compliance world, that's called operationalization of compliance, moving compliance literally down to the front lines by those who use it. In the corporate world, however, your customers of compliance are your employees. So does that concept translate where you would move uh, the information to the employees who are your customers of a compliance solution? No, I don't think anything changes with that. I think what happens is, um, you know, in when times were good and things were less challenging um, and compliance people were doing their job uh, well, um, the dynamics and the changing customer needs weren't um, – weren't changing as fast as they are now. And so I'm not saying that, that compliance people need to be on the front lines. It's the employees that are on the front lines and the employees who are, you know, who are having to adapt and change and support those customers and make recommendations for those changes. But if compliance people are better understanding of what's going on on those front lines, just by having conversations, not necessarily having customer meetings and selling and doing all those things, but having more in-depth conversations, trying to understand what are the pain points of those customers that you're trying to address now and how are those changing and how are you trying to meet those needs. So it gives you a better appreciation of what your customers going through in order to make that happen. And then on the doing compliance at the speed of business, one of the things the regulators in the compliance space have really emphasized most even recently is compliance needs to move away from a qualitative solution, policies and procedures, to a more database risk management solution. But that also work with uh, what you see as the need to speed the process along? Yeah, I am I am a big proponent of making decisions based on data as opposed to what your gut is. And if you make, if, if you, if the decisions that are being made are driven by data, um, then you understand what the risk is to the best of your ability based upon the information that's available. So I'm not suggesting that people who need to make decisions faster to adapt to changing marketplaces should be reckless and there shouldn't be governance. It's just the opposite. I'm saying 
they need to do all these things, but at a, at a faster speed. And, and let me just back up a little bit and just, you know, tell, tell your listeners, you know, I have a, uh, a background in governance and that I ran companies that became Inc. 500 companies. So I had to manage the governance process as well as the business itself. Um, and when I became a global director at Deutsche Bank, um, it, it had a lot of governance. And they've been in some legal trouble over the past 10 years. I think everybody knows of that. And a few people at the top caused a lot of damage there. But the governance process that I was a part of within in the bank was very good and very robust. And what generally happened was uh, the process was well-defined. There was a lot of training and there was adherence and compliance. And I actually led a committee that reviewed on a monthly basis $2 billion in annual spend. So it was a, you know, it was a, <laughs> Deutsche Bank was in 70 countries. They had a lot of, you know, top line revenue and a lot of spend. And I oversaw a $2 billion annual spend. And so, you know, the, the uh, governance process is sometimes bureaucratic by design. We made it efficient by proactively communicating with stakeholders in advance so that any questions or objections could be addressed so that the, so that the governance or compliance part actually went smoothly. But that wouldn't work today. The environment is changing too fast and businesses need to be more flexible and adaptable because there's a new normal. And, and if I could, Tom, I'd like to explain what that new normal is. Can I do that? Absolutely. Okay, so so this this is pretty meaty and pretty heady, and it's based upon um, some McKinsey uh, McKinsey study that came out recently that that I that I embrace. And there are five aspects of this new normal. The first one is uncertainty. So uncertainty is now normal and to be expected. And speed, information, and collaboration are going to drive future performance. So you have to embrace uncertainty. Not everybody can do that. Second thing is growth. The winners will be those who can adapt fastest. So that includes innovating, making bold moves, and reallocating resources. Third one is talent. Talent will change in the way we leverage it because geography is less of a constraint given remote work. Fourth one is efficiency. Companies need to operate more efficiently due to cost pressures. And last but not least is envisioning companies that will, that succeed will have leaders who envision new opportunities and ways of working. So what that means is the speed of business has changed because it has to. And if companies don't adapt and make better and faster decisions, they may be out of business or certainly underperforming. So there are four things that leaders are doing to speed business and it all leads to better and faster decision-making. The first thing is, um, boundaries and silos are being removed. So it's, it's speeding what that decision-making process is. Second thing is communication is uh, being fostered change, and more direct, changing the way we communicate with teams and connect with teams. There's no more water cooler talk <laughs> or ability to just hang out in your boss's office and shoot the breeze. So what people are doing is they're communicating more directly about expectations, letting the teams go to work, giving them the rope and letting them get it done, especially because there were some of them and many of them are working remotely. So the third thing is uh, prior prioritization. So leaders have prioritized their efforts, putting the best people on the hardest problems. And um, with limited resources, there's no more screwing around. And then the last thing, and I think we all recognize this, is, is 
to facilitate all this, leaders have adopted technology overnight where it previously took years. So an example is a client that I'm working with that was doing things manually and in person that rejected automation. Um, but now they've implemented and embraced a lot of technology, including Microsoft Teams. So the result is accelerated decision-making. And the changes to the operating model are a flatter organization, faster information flows, cross-functional teams, flexible ways of working, and flexible talent allocation. And those drive specific outcomes, including faster speed to market, increased customer responsiveness, greater efficiency, and enhanced performance and employee satisfaction. So I think, Tom, you can see that I'm talking about a lot of different things that require speed and efficiency given the dynamics in today's environment. And I'm working, uh, and to put it in context, I have two case studies of clients that I've worked with who needed to go through the compliance process really fast in order to adapt, and it resulted in good stuff. So first case study number one is it was a shipper. They shipped $2 million of monthly revenue, and most of it was stuff that went in your pantry, produce, dairy, meat, and fish. So it went to individuals or grocery stores overnight, and they had local distribution that was really effective. Um, and what they saw was some of their, their ability to get some of the supplies in, in those areas weren't as good, and, and being able to distribute them wasn't as easy. And so they, they, uh, they worked with me to try and diversify what they were doing and make, make an adaptation. And I had to meet with their management team who would normally take you know, weeks and weeks to govern and figure this out. And within two weeks, doing proper research and doing and looking at it, they uh, switched their distribution to cleaning products and cre actually created their own hand sanitizer brand because one of their founders was a chemical engineer. And they went from $2 million in monthly revenue to $4 million in monthly revenue within two months. That's number one. Second one is a... Um, is a, a local hotel operator who basically in no time had no conference facility usage. So they went from, you know, tens of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a month in conference facility fees, much less food and hotel stays to basically nothing. And one of the things that we did was we worked with, we worked with them to create, um, co-working space that was very spread out as well as a podcast studio so that they had uh, uh, for people who were on podcasts like we were on today they didn't have dogs running around and and their kids running around they could actually do it in a safe spot that was wide open and it generated fifty thousand dollars in monthly revenue on an ongoing basis and so those decisions that were made you know, changed a bad situation into a good situation, but it had to be done quickly and, and the governance process had to adapt and it did in these cases. So I will pause there. Information around uh, actually from the McKinsey report and then the uh, moving compliance really at the speed of business. Um, it sounds to me that this is a, a process oriented approach, but it's a process that both business executives and compliance professionals can embrace as a roadmap 
uh, to move forward. Would that be a fair assessment? Hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, they they have to work in partnership in order to make the results work right. And you can't just have a business leader, you know, react being reactionary without some governance. But you can't have a business leader with a ball and chain on their foot when they really have to move faster based upon what's happening, you know, to their customer base. This morning on my morning dog walk, I listened to the McKinsey podcast. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan, and I'll even link to it in the show notes for anybody that's interested. But uh, today's discussion I listened to was building a business within a business, and one of the strategies they advocated was to bring in uh, not only entrepreneurs within the organization, but bring different disciplines to the specific corporate function that's trying to create something new. And so uh, that led me to want to ask you, could you bring in or could you envision bringing a non-compliance professional into a compliance function for this project to help someone like myself, professionally trained as a lawyer, understand this process and be able to move uh, to create something that really did move compliance at the speed of business? No doubt. I mean, I've worked with departments where, you know, where, um, you know, commercial real, corporate real estate departments where they brought in tax professionals from another group within the, within, you know, within the company or, you know, legal people to run, uh, to run different functions because they had a different perspective. And so, um, you know, obviously HR requires a certain set of skills that aren't as transferable, um, in, in some shapes, but, but, um, I would suggest that people from the outside could go into compliance, but compliance people could also go into the business. I mean, it works both ways. I think, I think they have to be able to understand each other to, to work as quickly as they need to work for sure. Andy, you used the phrase a little bit earlier, breaking down silos. So in the compliance world, the regulators talk about compliance, having access to data, and they've used that term, breaking down silos, so that there can be a cross-functional review of data. And listening to you, it strikes me that another way to think about breaking down silos might be breaking down the rigid corporate functional hierarchies, which keep compliance people only talking to compliance people, which keep legal people only talking to legal people, uh, et cetera, and that part of that breaking down silos might be utilizing a diverse set of talent uh, to come up with a new approach. Would that be something uh, that could be considered as well? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I mentioned was that organizations are getting flatter quickly, right? And and I'm working with, uh, you know, one specific client that has 250 people in their organization, and every Thursday there's an hour call that everybody in the company gets on with the CEO, and basically what happens is the CEO is very transparent about what the opportunities are, where the progress is, where the challenges are, what everybody needs to do to, to make things happen from his perspective. And he welcomes input uh, and, and is very open about it. And what it does is it breaks down boundaries and, and makes people feel more a part of the team. And they know where the boat is heading and what their contribution is to it. 
And what it does is it actually, I think I used this term on our last podcast, it, 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 and you're talking about business within a business, it actually fosters entrepreneurship, which means, you know, innovation within a larger company. And so, it, you know, if, if, if you have an ability and feel like your input is welcomed, um, you know, within a corporate environment or an entrepreneurial environment, and you're closer to the customer and, and that kind of input is welcomed. Um, you know, people, people will, people will raise their hand more and that makes a difference. So it doesn't mean people have to agree with it or implement what you say, but at least it's a safe place for people to raise their hand. And what I have found, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, I know you are, I'm a big process guy too. And my view is if you can automate things and make things more efficient, it allows your frontline workers to be closer to the customer and be able to understand what their changing needs are to be able to innovate. Andy, unfortunately we are near the end of our time for this podcast, but I was wondering if listeners wanted any more information on yourself, any of the topics you brought up today, where could they go? Sure. Um, well, um, my company is called mid course advisors and uh, if you go to midcourseadvisors.com, you can find out a lot of different information. Uh, I, you know, focus on helping small to medium-sized business leaders succeed based upon my background and process work that I do. And so I'd be happy to have a, con- you know, welcome people to look at the information I have on my website, but would welcome to, ha- to have a discussion with, you know, anybody, anybody about their um you know, their experiences and their challenges and the opportunities um, that they're facing. But they need to, they need to, but whatever it happens, they need to act faster than they have been to make good decisions. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks a lot, Tom. Really enjoyed it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This is the only B2B podcast which brings clear and sane information for both the compliance professional and a business executive. If I could ask you uh, to do one thing, if you could tell one person about this podcast, I'm trying to get the word out uh, about this most unique podcast in the Compliance Podcast Network. So if you could tell one person about it, send them a copy, send them a link, do something. Uh, to help me publicize this podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Compliance and Coronavirus is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and it appears Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.